0: Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining today, he's an author, producer, vocalist, entrepreneur, and award-winning songwriter, Drew Ryder-Smith. How are you doing today, Drew? Great, man. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your Rise to the Challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up? Ben,
1: I grew up uh, about an hour and a half south of Nashville, so kind of between Nashville and Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And, uh, growing up, man, I, it was really no different than it is now. I loved music. I loved playing guitar and writing songs and,
0: um, and I just, I never stopped doing it. What was the music that you enjoyed listening to growing up? Was there a certain artist, a certain genre that was home for you? Uh, man, all of
1: it. Honestly, my parents listened to such a crazy mixture and blend of things from the singer songwriter stuff like Jackson Brown and John Prine and Steve Earle to um, Guns N' Roses and all all the hair bands. And then even the grunge stuff, the nineties grunge era, and then back to Merle Haggard and Dolly Parton and artists like that. So really listen to everything. My parents had a, a very eclectic, um, music taste, and uh I, I'm very
0: blessed and fortunate that they did. And I'm I'm glad that they did because it exposed me to so much. Taking all those different artists, genres that you did listen to, do you, do you think it's helped you with how you create music today? Where you kind of have that background with kind of listening to different varieties, see what works, what you like, and kind of incorporate that into your music.
1: I think so, man. I think I think that all of that stuff it's uh, all of it ends up being a piece of you and what you do. And, and as a result of that little pieces of it uh, flow out into what I put out, you Mm -hmm. know, whether I realize it
0: or not, it's not, I I don't think it's a conscious thing at all. It's, you know, it's just, it's in there. With music. When was like the first time you performed on a stage at a young age, or did you kind of just do it in the background and not really got in front of a crowd when you were young?
1: I think the first time that I ever played in front of anybody, I was um, I was probably 12 or so um, in a little bar that I probably wasn't even supposed to be in, honestly. My, <laughs> my dad would take me to this place. Um, there were a couple of places in my hometown that, that had live music on Friday and Saturday nights. And uh, they only served beer. We were a dry county for... Uh, years really until the last you know 10 years or so i guess maybe 15 years it's been now but uh, but when i was growing up yeah it was a dry county but they you still um they frowned upon kids being in the bar on friday and saturday nights but my uh, guitar teacher at the time he would play on the weekends and so my dad would take me and we'd go listen to music and then my guitar teacher would give me up and let me play a little bit um but uh you know and and from there, I mean, it was just it was, you know, smaller stuff like that until
0: uh, I started playing in Nashville. Did you always know growing up that this was the route you wanted to go as a career or sometimes we're asked that fun question? What is that dream job? Did you have something else that you wanted to do?
1: No, you know, I was really into meteorology when I was um when I was super young. Um, But by the time I was 10, man, like I I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And, uh, I wanted to be in any, really, I would have, I think I would have settled for anything in the music business. I just, Mm -hmm. I wanted, I wanted to have a job where I was surrounded by music all day, every day. And so, uh, yeah, from, I'd say about 10 years old, man, I knew that, that,
0: that this was the only thing that I really cared about doing. I think a lot of people are now more interested in why meteorology. How did that become something you're passionate about? Because I don't know, man. I don't even know where that came from. (laughs) Uh,
1: But I was, I was just, uh, I was all about it, man. I was super interested in it. I think, I think part of it came from there was a meteorologist uh, in Northeast Alabama, a guy named Dan Satterfield. He's back in Oklahoma now, where I think he was originally from. But I was so fascinated in him he was such uh he was such a weather nerd but mm-hmm. he was just the coolest guy and i i really admired him and i was into that until we had uh we had an f5 tornado come through my hometown when i was pretty young and seeing what that did uh i went you know i'm not sure this is for me i don't know if <laughs> storms is really my thing so, uh, yeah, I don't know really where that fascination started, but
0: I'm glad that it ended. See, now you just need to get a opportunity to go to a news station for like a guest appearance and ask, can I be a meteorologist for the day? Can I do just the for the weather? day? Yeah. Can I do the weather? Talk about it's going to be sunny here. It's gonna dude, be- You
1: know what? <laughs> I would I would still love that so much. I really <laughs> would. That's been years ago that I've, I've been interested in that So but I would still love
0: that. I that would be so cool just to, I mean, I'm not big of a weather person. Cause I'm like here in Missouri, it's like, it could be snowing one day. It could be rainy. It could be sunny, but how it happens out of nowhere. is just fascinating to me. I mean, yeah. I, you talked about get, you being near tornadoes. I've been in a few tornadoes myself once hit my house and it's just like, how did this happen? Like I mean, to <laughs> me, it's just fascinating in a weird way it but is, like man. being, I, I think people like they joke about like, oh, I could do that job. There's probably a lot more that we don't know that they have to do than say something and oh, it could happen. It could not happen.
1: Yeah. And that's one of those jobs where people just hate you either way. Because so if, if you miss it by like, you know, if you say it's going to rain at three and it doesn't rain till five, then people go, hey, they don't know what they're talking about, you know, and. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, they those people take a lot of crap, man. They, they really
0: do. do. I mean, even yeah. when you look at the apps, it's like, oh, it's supposed to rain at three. You change your whole schedule. And then yeah. it's like, where's the rain? Is it happening? <laughs> Did I miss yeah. it? <laughs> Did it blink and go? Yeah, and then you're pissed and you go, why? why do I even have this app? Why do I even have this? <laughs> <laughs> With your music journey, as you're getting older, getting to the high school days, was education on the horizon, or was it really trying to get into the workforce, trying to really start the grind in the music industry?
1: Man, I'm I'm a high school dropout. Okay. Uh, I'm I made it through um made it halfway through my sophomore year, and that was the end of that. So I was not interested in education. All I wanted to do was um I just wanted to to play guitar and write songs and be left alone. Mm-hmm. And that's the honest cuss truth. I just didn't, I felt like I'd gotten enough from what was there in high school. uh In hindsight, now, you know, I, I was an idiot to think that, you know, but I just wasn't interested in any of those things. And I think, I think part of my disdain was that I saw, I saw what, you know, all of my peers wanted to do. These guys wanted to be lawyers and doctors and, nurses and teachers and fabricators engineers and you know all of that stuff and and all of those things require further schooling and i thought man if somebody will just let me go and just let me do this i i think i can make it work and and so that was kind of what i did
0: did you have support from your family friends that kind of were supporting you in that they did not support?
1: No, no, man. I mean, my parents wanted to kill me for dropping out of school. The the only, the only way that that happened was I had been skipping school and they didn't know it. I'd missed like 26 consecutive days or something. I mean, it was something crazy. And so I was going to flunk out that semester anyway. And, um, and because of my sh- shenanigans, when the high school finally figured out what was going on, especially the principal, when he figured out what was going on, he was just over it, you know, because that looked, obviously that didn't look good on him. Mm-hmm. And so, uh and I, you know, I sat down with him in his office. I said, dude, I don't want to be here. I just want to play music and I just, I don't want any part of this. And um he, uh again, because I was going to flunk out, I said, well, you know, maybe I could do like homeschool or something. And I did, uh, they let me get homeschool curriculum and, and I did that for a few months and then I just kind of stopped doing it, you know, but my, my parents were not happy about it at all. Uh, and rightfully so, um, I'm a, I'm a pseudo stepdad, you know, and and we got a 10 year old. And if, if she quit halfway through her sophomore year, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be happy about it. So I totally get it, but I was very blessed uh, to be able to make it work somehow, it, it worked out in the end. It took, you know, it took several years, but but uh,
0: but I'm I'm where
1: I'm at. Do
0: You feel that you had a lot more to prove now that making that decision to step away from schooling and really get out there, you had to prove to not yourself but other people. Because you talked about it took you a few years to really get there, but was that kind of a hard task for you to take on? They put a lot of pressure on you.
1: It really didn't, uh, to be honest. I, I went back, you know, a couple of years later, and I got my GED, and I went to uh, I went to a community college. I became an EMT. I did that for a few years. Uh, the great thing about that job was we worked, you know, twenty four hour shifts, so it was twenty four on and forty eight off, and so I had forty eight hours to work on music, mm-hmm. uh, which which was really that was a great schedule. Uh, it was Cause I was getting a lot of time to go out and uh, I'd play downtown Nashville on Broadway and uh, I'd get in writing appointments and do writers nights and things like that. And, you know, and it wouldn't affect my work and my work wouldn't affect that so much. So that was really, I mean, that was such an ideal situation. I got, and I'd love to say that I, I had planned it that way, but I really didn't. <laughs> I just I just needed a job until I could make the music thing start working. um, So it was I was able to I was able to have a good balance of having a job that would pay my bills and have, you know, some benefits and still have all this time to work on my music. Yeah, So I was I was really fortunate in that. Uh, I would I would recommend that to, to anybody find a job where you work 24 straight and then you're off <laughs> for 48 <laughs> it gives you plenty of time to work on your other stuff if you're not you know totally exhausted but as you only work you know every third day but uh, to answer your question man I so I was doing that and uh, I was doing the EMT thing and you know the music thing and I I just thought that I think I just kind of inherently knew that something would happen, but I never really thought about naysayers or, um, I I'm sure that at that time there was probably a subconscious thought of wanting to make my parents proud. Mm -hmm. Um, not so much to prove anybody wrong, but just, uh, I wanted to do well enough where they went, okay, well, that wasn't the end of the world. You know, when he quit school and all that, we didn't, we didn't fail him as parents, you know, and I was, I was able to do that after some time, but, you know, otherwise it, it really wasn't any, any kind of pressure. I think I I was just so focused on what I was doing and what I wanted to do that I didn't really care what anybody else thought. I just, I
0: wanted to just get there. I love that concept. You just said that you did stuff for what you wanted to do and you took advantage of the off time to really fulfill your passion to get to look where you are today, where if you didn't do it during those 48 hours off, that who knows where you would be today. And sure. I think a lot of people should find those passion projects or find something that they enjoy doing and work it into their schedule because everyone will have that time to do it. I mean, I, I work all day and I come and do this. I'm happy and I make it work. And with your music, if someone's listening to your music for the first time, how would you describe it to a person?
1: Uh well, I think it's um it's it's modern country music uh but you know very much so less less on the pop side of of mm-hmm. country right now. Uh, I think it's pretty down the middle. I know that seems uh that, that, that statement probably doesn't make anybody jump up and go, Oh God, I got to go listen to his stuff right now. But, <laughs> but it's, it's not, it's not the, the pop stuff. It's um, you know, I think, I think it's probably closer to the Luke Combs kind of thing, maybe a little heavier than that, you know, um, somewhere between that
0: and Eric church and Dirk Spintley. Would you say that the lyrics in your song play with things that have been in your life or moments from your life, or how do you get inspiration when you're creating a song?
1: Man, uh, anywhere I can get it, honestly, whether it be, um, you know, whether it be something that I've, I've been through, or that uh, if it's something that I, I, a friend went through and we talked about it, or if I read it in a magazine or on the internet or saw it on TV or a line from a movie I just, I, I take it wherever I can get it.
0: Is there one song that's kind of been a big hit for you where it really connects people to you or really connects to something that people are learning about you?
1: Uh, so I, I wrote a song that it's been cut a couple of times, but it was, I got my first gold record from it. Uh, and it it's recorded by Randy Hauser and it was on his how country feels album, which was a, it's a huge record for him. It saved his career, saved my career, and uh, or I guess made my career. I was early on; I, I just got my first songwriting deal. Um, but it has that song has kept me around. It's a song called "The Singer," and uh, he did a just an amazing job of singing it. But I think that that connects the lines pretty well. I mean, it's um, it's it's kind of a it's a it's a traditional, almost a traditional sounding song. Uh, but it, it's it got that singer songwriter thing mm-hmm. to it, you know, a country singer songwriter thing to it. And, and that's, that's really at the heart of who I am is the singer songwriter stuff. Um, but, you know, I, you listen to my other, other stuff, there's heavier production on it, you know, and I think that that comes from rock influence and alternative and stuff like that. But really, I think that song um, that's maybe, maybe that's my answer because that's what I've been known for for a while is that song. And, it was such a it was such a staple song for me and for that record um so uh but I, I do feel like that
0: that song pretty well sums me up do you prefer writing the songs and then performing it or having someone else help you write it or write it for you and then you sing it
1: man I love to co-write that's that's all I've done for 13 years I, I guess. If you count the, you know, the years prior to me getting any kind of writing deal, it's, it's been closer to 15 or 16 years that I've been co-writing with other people. And I love that. There's so much fun in that because it's, um, you just, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me how ideas can twist just because somebody else is in the room. And even if it's not, you know, like this huge significant thing, there's just little parts of people that, that weave their way into your initial idea and vice versa that make it so much better and so much different than it would have been had you just written it yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's crazy to me, man. I've thought about so many of the songs that, that I've written with other people and, and that I had at least considered writing just by myself. And and I, I think, man, that just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the same song you know, and I don't think I would like it as much. So co-writing is, is really a lot of fun to me. Um, I haven't, I've yet to cut anything that I haven't written, but I think that's the songwriter in me, man. And that's what people have been recording my songs for years now. And so I think I'm still just kind of in that spot. I'm I'm certainly not too good to cut outside songs that I haven't written, I, I don't think that at all. And I don't, I don't ever want anyone to have that impression. Um But right now I, I've just been focusing on writing new material for, um for, for what I've been putting out and what I plan on putting out. And um plus I've got, you know, 15 years of back catalog, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's thousands of songs, man. So there's, I have no shortage of material. Um So right now I'm, I'm just kind of sticking with what I've written, but I, yeah, I have, I have no opposition at all to recording
0: something that someone else wrote. The last few years, especially in the music industry, it has been a challenge for singers, songwriters, because of the new changes that are happening, where CDs are kind of going away, streaming's coming. But really, they have to elevate their brands, their content that they're really showcasing, build that fan base. Yeah. How have you been able to take that challenge and really drive it home to really connect with your fans in a different way, or create music in a different way?
1: I haven't, unfortunately. That's why I have a team. is Is because I'm so disconnected from from any of those ideas of of the social media aspect of, mm-hmm. of it and building that brand. And uh, I, I think one thing that I've got going for me is that I I finally realized that I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to that. I don't understand algorithms, you know, I, and I don't understand why or how the algorithms change or who's behind, who's behind the screen, making the algorithms change. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand any of that stuff. And frankly, Alex, I just, I don't want to, because I want to be writing music and, and recording. And so, in today's environment the you know the the nature of of this beast has become that you've got to be a social media guru you're your own social media manager you've got to probably be your own photographer editor content creator all of those things marketing you know all of that stuff in addition to trying to make music Mm -hmm. and And then you've got to, you've got to learn all the parts of that. And, and because it's more than just constantly posting pictures or videos, you know, you do have to understand things like algorithms and trends and all that. And it moves so fast. And so it's like, all right, so do I want to halt what I'm doing musically to try to learn all of this stuff and try to keep up with it? Or do I want to continue with what I'm doing musically and then, try to get someone else on board that understands this, that can help me with this and do that part of it. Uh, and then I've got the best of both worlds and that's what I've done. And so I've, I've been, you know, I've got a great publicist and great digital team and I've been learning a lot from them, but uh, I really lean on them for those things. And I just try to give them the content that they ask for and, and try not to ask too many questions about why they're doing things the way that they're doing. Cause it's, it's, it's
0: probably just not for me to understand. I can agree with learning all the algorithms. I don't even know what I mean, yeah. but even trying to learn it, I want to become better, but I know it would take so long to really become an expert and you're doing the smart thing. You're getting that advice or getting help in those areas so that you can focus on your strengths, but you're still learning at the same time. It's not like you're just giving up and saying, I don't care about this. If you're yeah. able to take a little bit, 1% each time and learning that knowledge, over time, you're going to become better and better. But like you said, it's changing every single day and you get to do what you love to do, which is making music.
1: I think the cool thing about it, constantly changing like that, is it's opened up different creative outlets for people to be a part of. So, there, you know, there's these you know, social media geniuses. I mean, again, I, you know, we've got a ten-year-old daughter, man. She knows it better than I do. She understands it, and she tries to explain it to me. And she's like, Drew, it's really not that hard. You just got to do this, and <laughs> this, and this. And I'm like, I don't understand any of that. So you can just stop. You can go ahead and stop trying to explain it because I'm not going to get it. But she's ten and she understands it. But there's people that are making a really good living at that now, and I think that's cool that that has um, that that's now a thing. And to me, that seems greater than just the influencer thing, you know, so uh, there really seems to be a great purpose for that job. So um, I hate that, uh, that I'm too dumb to understand it myself and that I have to get somebody to help me (laughs) with it. But, um, but I'm not too proud, man. I'm I'm really not. I know that I need help with it. And um, we're, you know, we've been trying to build my numbers for several months now and, You know, we're, we're making some leeway with that. The hardest part for me is the, the amount of time that it takes, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think there was a part of me, you know, surely I knew better than this, but there, I think anytime you're trying to build a team, you go, okay, well, you know, now that if I build this team, it's going to happen so much faster. And that's not really the case. You're, you're executing things much better and eventually it's, it's going to grow and it, it'll it'll eventually take off, but it just takes a while for you to get to that taking off point. And that's kind of the position that I'm in now, you know, and it's um, to an extent. I think that kind of dictates what I do as an artist, mm-hmm. not so much as a songwriter, but but as an artist and what I put out and when I put it out, it's like, well, you know, I I love these songs, but here's the amount of followers I've got, do I give it six months and see if we've doubled our followers and then there's greater exposure or, you know, there's a lot of questions like that. But again, having a team definitely helps uh, with answering some of those questions
0: and allows me to not be too heady about it. Do you have any songs or fun projects coming out soon that you would want to share with the listeners?
1: I got a ton of new music coming out, but I just had I just had a new EP come out less than a month ago. It was just a few weeks ago. It's my first self titled uh, EP. I'm ashamed that it has taken me uh, so many years to put something out myself. Um, but again, I've been I've been writing songs for other artists, and and that's been great. And I've loved that so much. But I still have I feel like I, s- I still have so much that I want to say. Uh, and the difference is now that I some of those things I want to say on myself. Mm -hmm. and so that's that's the reason i've really gone after this artist thing and and i'm really loving it so far but tons of new music coming out uh the rest of this year and there's going to be a very steady flow of of music and that keeps me excited as to know that i didn't i didn't finish this ep and go okay well now what like we've already got stuff in the can that's you know that's ready to go and so um uh we've My co-producer and I, we've kind of stayed ahead of schedule and I I love that. Uh, I I love that we've done that because we constantly have something that's ready to go. And it's just a, it's a matter of, uh, it's a matter of trying to project what's going to work
0: and when it's going to work. And, but yeah, tons of stuff coming out this year. A fun question I like to ask all the singers that I interview is there a dream stage or an event that you hope to perform at one day? What would man, I, that stage or event be? Uh
1: Ryan, right, I played the I got to play the Ryman Auditorium some years ago uh, with Merle Haggard before he passed away. And man, the Ryman uh to me the Ryman was just yeah. That's the that's the mother church in Nashville. And that's you know, everybody from Hank Williams Sr uh, to, uh, the Foo Fighters have played on that stage. And so, and everybody in between, you know, <laughs> and cause it doesn't get any more country than Hank senior. And, uh, and it doesn't get any more rock and roll than the Foo Fighters. Yeah. And so, you know, heroes of mine have played that stage over the years. And so that was, that's always been like my bucket list venue to play. And I've, I've been able to play it, but, uh, I want to play it, at least 200 more times is the goal. So (laughs) one, one time wasn't enough for me. So I'd love to go back there.
0: When you're thinking about traveling and performing at places, does it take a toll on you personally, or does it kind of motivate you to like, this is what I love to do. This gets me excited to get out on tour and travel and perform.
1: Uh, It's uh, that's a tough one to answer, Alex. Uh, Uh, Maybe not. I guess it's both of those things. I think it it has changed for me because I have a family now Mm -hmm. before it was just me and, you know, a girlfriend and uh, not to say that that's not important, but I just, I, I was in a very different place in my life. And so leaving was much easier to do. Uh, Now, now thinking about being gone so much, the excitement that I would have had about that before now I I tend to uh, focus on the things that I'm going to miss at home while I'm gone. And that's a bummer. And I've got to figure out some middle ground in my head to make that better. Uh, And I think that'll get better with time. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's much different for me now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does motivate me and it does excite me um but then you know the other side of it is that I'm I'm going to miss baseball games
0: and stuff like that something that we like to ask all of our guests is but if you're, you're not working what does Drew like to do when he's not in the studio writing songs something more that listeners may not know uh man I'm a NASCAR nut <laughs>
1: <laughs> i am i know that's a very redneck thing to say but i love NASCAR <laughs> That's kind of my outside of my family and my dogs, man. That's, um, that's my thing. That's what I enjoy doing. And, um, I've, I've watched NASCAR since, you know, I guess from the time that I was born, I came from, you know, a, a racing family on my dad's side. So some of that is in my blood. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, man. Other than that, just family and NASCAR, as redneck as that may sound.
0: Have you gotten the chance to like get into one of those cars? Don't they do like some <laughs> yeah. experiences like that? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I did that a few years ago, man. And uh I injured my rotator cuff doing it, um, which wow. was which was not fun. But otherwise, it was a really, really great experience. And I got to I got to drive at the uh, Nashville Super Speedway. And man, it was an incredible experience. I'd love to go back and do it again. So, man, it was it was so much fun. I think it, was, it did about 160 or so uh is is about as fast as you can go on that track uh but yeah it was it was an incredible incredible experience the weight of those cars is really crazy they're super heavy and um you do this training stuff before but man once you get in like you're in there by yourself there's no there's no guy there's no it's it's not like one of those training cars where they've got like you know, a, a steering wheel and gas and brake pedals on on the passenger side yeah. where they can correct things. Like you're in there by yourself and they're talking to you on the radio. And, uh, but man, it was a blast. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, so racing is definitely in my blood. I think if I hadn't,
0: if I hadn't pursued music, I would have wanted to be a, a race car driver. Hey, I mean, you never know what can happen. You can add that to the list of titles that I list out the next interview I do of you add NASCAR racer or <laughs> any any kind of racer, award winning racer.
1: <laughs> Man, Marty Robbins, years ago my grandfather used to race with Marty Robbins in Nashville. And uh Marty Robbins legendary country singer, but he would he would finish up at the, he would play the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville on Friday or Saturday night and he would leave there and he would drive as fast as he could to to the Nashville Speedway. And get there and they would have his race car ready and he'd throw his fire suit on real quick and his helmet. He'd jump in the car and take off and he'd he'd run races. It was really wild. So uh, that's gonna
0: be basically you after you're a, a tour. You're just gonna hop in, get into a plane, get to the uh raceway, be ready for the race coming God, up. I hope
1: so, man. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs>
0: The final question I'll ask you, for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge?
1: Man, I th- I think it's just, you just have to do it. There's just no other way. And it's, uh, you know, f- I always hate admitting this uh, in interviews, but for so long, I didn't put out music on my own. I let other people record my stuff for years and I, I have figured out that the reason I wasn't putting out my own stuff is it was all fear based, mm-hmm. uh, and it was because well you know people know who I am as a songwriter, and I'm, I've been you know relatively successful as a songwriter, so uh, you know amongst my peers I'm I'm respected as a songwriter. If so I go out and I try to do this artist thing, like really make a go of it, and I fall on my face, what you know? How are these going to people? How are these people going to see me? You know, uh, will I still be respected as a writer? Does that does that go away if if I go out and fail? And that was, um, I think, that was just a, always an underlying fear. And I think that that any kind of obstacles, anything else that you find yourself making excuses for, you can you can usually figure out that it is in some way fear-based. And if you can just get your head around that and go, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I'm going to try it. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I don't care what my parents think. I just, I just want to go do my thing and, and I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll make it work. If you can just get to that point, there's
0: really nothing that can stop you. Drew, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you.
1: Alex, thank you so much, man. I'm very, very grateful to you. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Tune in next time here, hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow subscribe, and subscribe on all major audio platforms. and Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for the full length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You. decide.